Welcome to the Curious Women Podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Fignano, and I'm here with my co-host, Meg Hager. Here, we're going to have chats about women's health to teach you the things that you didn't know you didn't know. And five, four, oh my God. three, two, one. So, Kylie... What are you drinking today? What do you got over there? I, this is so great. I just actually finished it, or else I would show you. I just finished my athletic greens, but mm. I added, this is so weird, I added this aloe into it, but, okay, oh. this is the first time I've ever drank aloe, so it's like a thing, right, especially in the yeah. world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you drink aloe? I I have in the past, but I have one brand that I like, and that's about it. And I have to order it on Amazon, <laughs> so uh-huh. I don't. It's not a regular appearance in my home because it's just so hard for me to get. <laughs> this one that oh, because you have to order it to Hawaii, right? <laughs> well, we have we have Amazon Prime, but it still takes like two weeks to get here. <laughs> oh, long. oh my god! Well, this kind that I tried for the first time, I got it at Whole Foods, it's a pomegranate cranberry aloe. And it's not, like, it doesn't have chunks of aloe, so it's very smooth, you know, it's so thick. But I added it into my athletic greens. It was so tasty. It was really tasty. And, you know, cranberry, pomegranate, super great for gut health, acromantia, blah, 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 you know? Sounds like a women's health dream, to be honest. Sounds like a women's health dream. (laughs) I thought, you know, I'll just put a little bit of it in here. We'll see how it goes. I I don't know. I'll report back. Yeah. It's tasty, though. Honestly, I I drank it just plain as well. Very Mm. good. Sounds super good for your skin, too, with the, the, for the same reason, boosting the acromantium, acinophile in the gut, pomegranate, like with the antioxidants and stuff. Totally. Yeah. 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 Yep. I'm happy about it. What are you drinking? What's going on over there? So it's almost noon here and I'm still sipping on my coffee from this morning, but I added a little spice to it. We got a whole cinnamon stick going on in here. Great for blood sugar regulation. However, for those of you who are like me and tend to have like, I have like blood sugar drops. Do not do this on an empty stomach. (laughs) Do not do it on an empty stomach been there done that not fun so we had we had us a banana before we did this (laughs) (laughs) and here we are it's great i just i love me a whole cinnamon stick in my coffee it feels super luxurious feels great look at you that is very luxurious oh i like that i like that a lot very nice very very nice what is your what the fuck moment from this week do you have anything (sighs) Girl, there's always so many. How do I choose just one? That's that's the question is like, which health what the fuck moment are you going to share from this week? Oh, my God. Okay, so I have a very funny one. My sister's visiting this week. and Her and I have this very funny thing where like, it's a joke in our family because it's almost like we can't go anywhere or go like a certain period of time without some random health thing happening to us. Like we are the two that literally could not go without health insurance because (laughs) there would be something that would happen to us. And we don't know why. It's just so random. So 
Is your and sister the reason, older than you or younger than you? She's younger. Yeah, she's He's younger. Your little sister. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So she's visiting, and so that's the context of all of this. And so we went paddleboarding for the first time. I've never gone before. She just tried. So it's like my new favorite thing. So fun. Mm-hmm. And she, like, immediately when we got out of the water, she immediately started getting pain in her ear, like swimmer's ear kind of pain. Oh. Oh. And so, of course, because it's us, we ended up having to take her to the urgent care. <laughs> Are you? This was her second day. Girl was not even in Hawaii for 48 hours before she <laughs> had to go to urgent care. <laughs> what happened? So, and this ties into the health what the fuck moment because... It actually wasn't swimmer's ear. She actually just had so much wax built up in her ear (laughs) (laughs) that when the water got in the ear, it just was like, it was was a real struggle for her body. It it couldn't get out. It was a real struggle. But I wanted to highlight this and tie it back to the health what the fuck moment because I have found that most of us have like a health-related Achilles heel, if you will. Like if you're Mm going to be messed up in some way, there's always one body part or body function, I think, that tends to go first. And for us, it's like the sinus and like ear, nose, throat canal area. So it's just so funny because I was like, we were talking about it. I was like, Maddie, like, why did this happen to you? (laughs) Like, what is your body trying to tell you here? And she was like, oh, you mean aside from the fact that it actually is important to clean your ears every once in a while? I don't know. Let's see. But I, okay, so we we started really dissecting it. And I think it's like when you're under stress, inflammation happens. We know this, right? And so for us, her and I specifically, and I noticed this too, my sinus just gets so inflamed and congested. And then I get ear popping and my ears are all out of sorts. So she's just been going through a lot of stress before she came here, a lot of changes, not really taking the time for herself that she needs. And then you throw a 10-hour plane trip on top of that, right? Yeah. Uh No wonder. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's not quite our typical, like, what the fuck health moment, but it's just more of a PSA, like, pay attention to your health Achilles heel, figure out what it is. So that you can prepare for it. And I'm not saying she could have prepared <laughs> to prevent the the urgent care from paddleboarding. But it's like, maybe we would have had her put some alcohol in her ears right after. You know, like some rubbing, <laughs> rubbing alcohol, you know, A to help dry vinegar. it up. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it just knowing your body's health Achilles heel, I think, is really helpful to help. Maddie and I know, I know are like weirdos where we just end up in the hospital for random reasons. But. <laughs> you know, my my doctor says this a lot. She says, plan for your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. It's so it's such good advice. Let me tell you, ear That's stuff, exactly it. I actually can't hear out of my left ear fully. And really? I have Yeah, three of those <gasps> bones that can conduct hearing are ceramic bones because I had so many repetitive tumors in my ear in my like mastoid area wow. I've had two or three mastoidectomies are called and it just slowly deteriorated those bones and it all started when I was in high school I was I got swimmer's ear so that's when you said that I was like oh my god no I had it in both ears and I just kept it wouldn't heal wouldn't heal wouldn't heal and eventually figured out that's what was going on isn't that crazy oh so that when, is- when I fly it is it's sometimes 
so dreadful. And there's nothing I can do about it. It just doesn't equalize. And it, it doesn't. So your ear, a little lesson on the ear, guys. <laughs> Here's your a little ear one-on-one, 101. <laughs> it is a self-cleaning organism, much like the vagina. If you put, like, a dot of ink on your mm-hmm. in your ear canal and you mm-hmm. kind of, like, wash it with a video, your ear will push that out. <gasps> it cleans itself. Mm-hmm. Or so my <sighs> ENT has told me, and wow. my ear doesn't do that anymore because the surgeries have disrupted the um the process. But so I wow. feel her deeply, Maddie. My God, I feel you. Yeah, yep. it's oh, brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. So are mm-hmm. you telling me that it's not feasible to assume that you might come visit me here in Hawaii then? Because <laughs> oh no, no amount of ear pain will prevent me. Let's be reasonable, my friends. Okay? No, no, no. I mean, we what need to. Yeah. Is that I have to stay there longer to provide uh, enough time yes. to flight. That's what yes. it means. Okay, okay. That's good. Because we know a Hawaii recording of CWP is on the horizon at some point. So It's only reasonable. I mean, it's a business expense. So um, what is your health what the fuck moment, Kylie? Yeah, for me, for this week. This this week, I have a client who has been on a, a PPI, uh, you know, uh, an acid-blocking drug for those of you out there, for 12 years. 12? 12 oh. years, Meg. Oh and she now, we, we wanted to do some testing for her. It was advised that she come off of that in order to do the test. And... She was so ill for the two days that she tried to come off of it that she had to go back on. When I say so ill, she couldn't keep food down. She just continued to vomit. I bet. Everything that she brought in. It's interesting because she, even while taking the PPI, she vomits daily. What? Daily. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, So, I know. I know, I know. There's some stuff going on. I can't wait. I'll have to, I'll have to report back. But Please it's do. really one of those things where you're like, what the fuck? Who has overlooked the problem here for over a decade and just kind of slapped this PPI Band-Aid on her? And now it's just kind of caught up with her to the point where there's no return. So, uh, wow. you know, we'll see. We've got some soothing, healing cups in there for her to, to see if we can get her off of that. But we'll see. Yeah. I'll report back. Oh, my God. Please do. And send send our, our well wishes to your client. Oh, yeah. That sounds horrible. Send I hope she recovers quickly. Sending all, all the good energy. I know. Oh, my God. That's awful. It sounds like my dad. He, like, lost his shit when his insurance stopped covering Nexium. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! It's probably the best thing that could have happened to him. Honest, that's what I said. But he's like a lifer for Nexium. That's like his th- he and he will not take. A- he's like they they don't work. I'm like no, Dad. Like you just can't handle not with it being matter without it. Yeah, that you know what you're talking about. By the way, it does not no, matter. No, nope. it doesn't matter how long you went to school. It no. doesn't matter what your work is. It doesn't matter how much you make in your business doing what you're doing. No, 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 Meg. No, it doesn't no. matter. No. Dad. <laughs> no, it really doesn't, though. <laughs> no, it really doesn't, though. I've, I've just accepted. Sometimes when I, I almost feel like my family asks me things just to ask me, like, I'm like, do you really want to know the answer to that? Because you're not going to listen to me anyway. <laughs> I, know. 
the number of times I've talked to my dad about protein, I, oh. I can't even ca- – It's uh, and, you know, I don't know. My dad's such a tiny dude. He's so freaking cute and little. Oh. But he, he eats like a mouse, you know, <laughs> like – yeah. Anyway, oh. Oh, man. nonetheless, today we are here with my dear friend, Lauren. We call her Lo. She's a functional medicine registered dietitian and the owner of Functional Fueling Nutrition. That's a private practice. Um, she offers private coaching and the Strength in Hormone Collective. She also does functional lab testing. She is a licensed dietitian nutritionist and a board certified specialist in sports dietetics. All of that through the Commission on Dietetic Registration. She holds a bachelor's and master's degrees in nutritional sciences. And Lauren loves working with women to get to the root cause, like a lot of us, of their health issues, help bring them into a state of healing using natural approaches. She specializes in PCOS, amenorrhea, thyroid conditions, and exercise performance. Functionalfueling.com is where you can learn more about her. And today, she's going to actually dive into a really specific topic, which is muscle and how it relates to hormones, which is not a conversation that we hear a lot about, honestly, when we're talking about hormones. So, well, welcome. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. And then I'm, I'm actually very excited to hear what you want to teach everybody today. So go for it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, ladies. And congratulations on the podcast. I'm so excited Woo! for you guys. Can't wait for more episodes. Uh, uh, yeah, so my name is Lauren. Most people call me Lo. You can call me whatever you prefer. Um, but as Kylie mentioned, I am a functional integrative dietitian, so registered dietitian by schooling, trained in functional medicine. But I'm also a board certified sports dietitian. So I spent the first five years of my career really working deep in the sports trenches as a collegiate sports dietitian, working 80, 100 hours per week. Uh, if you know anything about the sports world, it's a very different lifestyle than working in private practice. So that's really how I started off my career and was doing the functional part kind of on the side through my private practice. And then now I bridge the two and and am just a private practice dietitian. But I have my own podcast and uh, that's called the Strength and Hormones Podcast. I also have a membership that's called Strength and Hormones too. So this topic is something that is really near and dear to my heart, something that I wholeheartedly believe in. And so I'm really excited to talk more about it today. (gasps) Yes. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on. Let's just dive right in. What What's the connection between muscles and hormones? Where do they connect? And what do you think women specifically need to know? Well, I think the most important thing is when we think of hormones, a lot of times we think of having babies, right? We think of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. I know when I was 17, 18 years old, that's what I was thinking of too, right? Yeah. And really, you know, we have so many hormones. We have hunger hormones, we have, you know, thyroid hormones, we have stress hormones, and we have reproductive hormones. (laughs) Yeah, there's over 50 and we're finding new ones all the time. I just read a research study a couple weeks ago that there was a new hormone that was found. So, you know, it's, yeah. Um, So, I mean, you know, they're everywhere, right? And really all they are is just chemical messengers. So they're essentially just a connection between our brain, organs and tissues 
tissues in our bodies. So think of, you know, how does your brain communicate to your thyroid? How does your brain communicate all down to your ovaries, right? There has to be something that's making that communication happen. So that's what hormones do, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I think we think of muscle as just this like added aesthetic factor, right? Of mm, muscle only yeah. provides you something external, like it's just a look, right? But muscle biologically and physiologically, there's so many roles and benefits to it where muscle really is like its own organ, right? Where hormones can communicate to muscle and vice versa. And so when we're talking about how hormones work and, you know, the role of hormones, I truly believe that muscle has such a pivotal role in how the whole endocrine system connects because truly everything within our hormone network is connected, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. There is so much research about the importance of muscle as an organ. I don't know mm. if any of you are familiar with Dr. Gabrielle Lyon and her work in muscle-centric medicine. Maybe we could get her to come on here, actually. Oh, but oh she, I love that. Well, she would back every single thing that you're saying yeah. herself and with tons of research. So I think what you're saying is, one, hormones are essential. And this is an important piece that you mentioned here. Why do we give a shit about hormones? Like, mm. what's the big deal, right? And I think what you're saying is that they are the messengers that are sending the signals between all the different parts of your body that tell the different organs to do things. Mm -hmm. And to your point, there's, there's sex hormones, there's hormones for your hunger, there's digestive things going on, all of these things, right? Mm -hmm. So now dive into what muscle high muscle, low muscle, something in between, what are we looking at in terms of the impacts on these hormones at various amounts of muscle mass? Or maybe that's not the right question. Is it amount of muscle? Is it type of muscle? What is it? Well, I think it's twofold that muscle has its own hormone receptors, right? So there's definitely a very direct connection between muscle and hormones, but having muscle and doing activities through exercise, movement, nutrition to support muscle is very hormone supportive, right? Mm. So I like to think of it as a twofold and I think that it can feel overwhelming maybe if we focus on the former. So I like to typically focus more on the latter with individuals of educating them on if we come at everything from asking the question, how do I support muscle or how do I support strength? Mm. Then a byproduct of that is hormone balance. Mm. And mm. this is for, it's a blanket statement, all hormones. So in other words, people don't need to know if I do this type of thing for this type of muscle, it's going to help this type of hormone. It's mm -hmm. not that complicated, right? It's, mm. hey, you all have hormones, whether or not you know you have an issue or not, if you support your muscle by nature, literally, you're supporting your hormones. Is that the, what's the message that you're saying here? Yeah. And, you know, there's certain hormones that are going to increase and certain that are going to decrease, right? Not everything's oh. going to have a very similar response. But what we're looking for is like a net positive outcome, right? So it's like, how do we get the best bang for our buck? And that's through supporting muscle and strength. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so supporting muscle and strength. We're dietitians, so we're going to come from the angle, right, of, of food and nutrition. What does that mean for somebody? So somebody's listening to this and saying, oh, my God, well, that makes sense. How do they support their muscle? What is it that you're teaching people? 
Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to look at exercise and nutrition simultaneously. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I first started in my career, I, you know, was working in the sports field, was working in the exercise performance realm, but I was very much wearing the nutrition hat of this. Mm -hmm. If you can, you know, fine tune your nutrition, then you're going to get that result you're looking for. Right. And as I worked through my career and worked with many different disciplines, I really started to understand that it can't be just nutrition, right? We have to look at them simultaneously because they really do complement one another. You can't have one without the other, right? Mm -hmm. But I think if we're starting with nutrition first, the first and foremost thing I would say is putting yourself into an anabolic state at the right times and then allowing for more of a catabolic state at other times. So let me stop you. (laughs) <laughs> I was just going to say that. Right? <laughs> we know what that means. Basic terms. Anabolic state and catabolic state. Go. Yeah. So as simple as you can make it, anabolic, think about it as growth, building, catabolic, thinking about it as breaking down. I have one more follow-up question. <laughs> what What are some examples of things that might happen in an anabolic state when they're building and growing versus the catabolic state when you're breaking down? Like, can you give some real-life examples of mm-hmm. what those processes are? Yeah. So you are squatting, right? You are um, you're under heavy load. You have a barbell on your back. You are pushing a weight that is challenging for yourself, and you have the correct nutrients in circulation to where that workout is be is providing you an anabolic response. It's providing mm-hmm. a you're growing from that workout, right? You're building right. muscle, right? So you're also saying that if baddies want a booty, they need to be in an anabolic state. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 Really breaking it down here. (laughs) No, it's great. It's great. Continue. Yeah. And then catabolic state would be fasting for an extended period of time, right? So you decide to do a 16 hour, 24 hour period where you don't eat at all. All you do is drink water. You maybe drink some green tea, black coffee. That's a very catabolic state because you don't have the nutrients available in circulation to be able to support growth, and you're probably not doing any type of activity that's also supporting growth. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily saying one is bad and one is good. I think your point and what you're going to get to here is you want to implement each one of these at the appropriate times, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because if we're talking about longevity, which I think all of us care to some extent about how we can live our healthiest and longest lives, right? We want to have a little bit of each. If we were just focused on looking like we had rock hard abs and amazing biceps all day long, we probably wouldn't be talking about how we can add in a little bit of the catabolic state. We would just be focused 100 miles per hour on anabolic, right? But I really like to work with women that, you know, I specialize in is, is most of these women do care about the longevity piece, right? Of, okay, I want to look great. I want to have great hormone control, but I also want to live a long, healthy life and I want to prevent things like cancer, right? Mm. And so that's where the catabolic piece of this kind of comes into the conversation. Oh, that's so interesting. So I'm not up to date on the research with cancer. That's, I don't really see a ton of cancer patients, but this might be diverting too much from your point. But at some point, I'd love to get into the, that connection because I don't know. And I'm sure many people don't know. So <laughs> I don't 
know that either, actually. I don't, I don't specialize in cancer stuff either. But well, I mean, I by no means am a cancer specialist either. It's more so just like, like I said, like there's a connection, right, to looking at the, yeah. the, the differences between the anabolic and catabolic. I think we could definitely, you know, talk about the cancer right. piece. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we've got this idea of longevity and supporting the muscle by putting into place the appropriate times of growing and the appropriate times of kind of breaking down. What else? So we've got that we've got that component. What else is a way that people can support their muscle in order to support their hormones? Well, I think that if we, that those are kind of two like umbrellas, right? The anabolic and catabolic are the growth and the breakdown. And then we have to then kind of, you know, take those apart and talk a little bit more within of those, okay, what activities, what practices, nutritional practices, what type of movement and lifestyle practices support anabolic and which support catabolic? Because then if we understand those elements and what percentage we need within a given day or within a given year to really be able to maximize the hormonal response, then we're, we're on the right path, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. My question then too, I have just a side question that that's sort of related to the anabolic and catabolic states that we were talking about. Is this why men might tend to be able to lose weight a little bit faster is because of their hormonal balance and how, how their muscle mass and how they tend to be able to put on muscle more versus women? It's a little bit different. Do you want to, mm-hmm. is that related at all to what you're saying or is there a connection there? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely many different factors, right? Men have more body mass, so they're mm-hmm. just going to naturally burn more calories than women mm-hmm. often do. But men are genetically, they have higher amounts of muscle mass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they have more of these receptors. They have more ability to, you know, one of the purposes of uh, muscle as it relates to something like thyroid hormone production, right? Regulating body weight and growth and metabolism within the body is that the more muscle you have, the more calories that you burn at rest. And when we're talking about a hormonal condition like PCOS or diabetes where they're insulin driven, the more muscle you have, the more insulin sensitive you are. So, you know, those are just two of the reasons that I come back to the muscle piece because if we have more muscle, we are burning more calories at rest. So it is going to make it easier to be able to manage weight, right? And we're going to see improved insulin sensitivity, which also increases our ability to oxidize or burn fat. I just want to, I want to really, really highlight what you just said there, because this piece is super, this is kind of the takeaway, right? This is general nutrition exercise science, right? And I think that sometimes, now you guys tell me if you think differently. I think at one point, this was considered such bro science, like, oh, this is just what people in the gym and the heavy bodybuilders are saying. (laughs) And it kind of got pushed to the side. And it, it got this idea that like, oh, if I lift weights, especially if I lift heavy, I'm going to become some big bulky thing and I'm a woman and I don't want, it's mm. just such bullshit, isn't it? Because the reality is what you just said there, Lo, is very simple. Like, let's water it down. The more muscle you have, the more balanced your hormones have the opportunity to be mm-hmm. because one of those really major hormones is insulin. Now, whether or not you're listening and you are super familiar with insulin or not, suffice it to say, it is a huge driving factor for the obesity epidemic that is happening in our country and the world, right? Mm. Just leave it at that. So knowing this, the more muscle that you have, right, guys, correct me if I'm wrong here, the more muscle you have, the better chance you have of keeping that insulin hormone 
in balance and therefore keeping your weight, managing your weight, whatever that looks like for you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody's saying that this has got, you've got to be some certain size. That's not what this is about. It's about your body being where it wants to be and having yes. access to that and with, with ease, right? Well, this is what you're saying. And this applies to men, women, and everything else. Yeah. It's, it's not special to women, is it? No. And even, you know, I see people all the time that are at a healthy body weight, but they're insulin resistant. So you ah. know, even if we look at it, the other flip of the coin of, okay, let's take the weight piece out of it. Yes. Insulin is still a huge driver. I mean, insulin, yes. I see a lot of women with hormonal acne, for example. Insulin is a huge piece, that. right? Yep, I just was so, going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Even something as simple as yeah. your skin, your complexion, yep. we have to think about insulin. I mean, it's yeah. so important. And I, I just don't think any hormone conversation is complete without talking about the role of insulin. Totally. You know what? Whoa, do a quick run that like basic, basic 101. What does insulin do? It, just so that people know and can piece together why it's related to weight. Yeah. So insulin is a hormone that is made by our pancreas in response to carbohydrate ingestion. So when you eat carbohydrates, your body releases insulin so that your body can then take up those carbohydrates and store them, you know, or burn them, utilize them, right? So over time, your pancreas, when there's too much carbohydrate that's coming into the system, we don't have enough muscle to be able to, I kind of think of muscles like a sponge, right? To be able to help us utilize that carbohydrate, the pancreas keeps pushing out. And after a period of time, the, the pancreas says, I'm tired. I can no longer mm. do this. Mm-hmm. And so then the pancreas stops doing it. And then we end up in an insulin resistant type situation. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're seeing these really high blood sugar levels. <clears throat> because when the pancreas says, I'm tired, I can't do this job anymore, there's nowhere for that sugar to go. Yeah. This is also why exercise, which is exactly where we started this conversation, though, is such a part of the puzzle because moving your, especially right, your larger muscles will take that sugar from your carbohydrates, you guys, and pull it into the muscles without the use of insulin. So then there's another, there's another layer of all of this by the act of building your muscle is actually going to help manage the need for that hormone. And this is actually highlighting what you said there, Lo, we want a net positive reaction. Insulin is not all in all bad. It's essential. It's Mm -hmm. when it gets out of whack. So this is an example of where we actually want to lower for many people. We want to lower the need for that hormonal response, right? Yeah, absolutely. I like to think of it as just like a flat line all throughout the day, right? Like, you know, we don't want to have big uh, stimuluses and then we don't want to have, you know, big dips and valleys essentially, right? So think of it as that, you know, as we want to have kind of like this flat line effect of insulin throughout the course of the day. I think it's so great. And I think also there's one point that I, I wanted to ask you too, Lo, about I think there's a, a there's this idea that a lot of people struggle with when they feel like they have a hormonal imbalance and maybe they think it's related to their weight. Maybe they've gone to see doctors or specialists or whoever, and maybe they've been told, oh, you just need to lose weight. But what you're saying, and it sounds like, is that like it's not always about losing weight. In fact, some a lot of people end up not eating enough to support their hormones. Is that, is that also something that you oh, see? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a huge network, right? Because the brain is constantly getting signals from the outside environment and it's a negative feedback loop. So if the brain senses that there's not enough nutritional availability 
or that there's components of inflammation, right? Like our gut is inflamed, mm. those components, mm. and that's going to impact that messaging between the brain and the hormones. So, you know, if uh, lack of nutrition is just as stressful as overnutrition is, right? So mm. it really is like these gold, this Goldilocks situation where we have to find the correct balance between eating enough nutrient-dense food to be able to provide our brain with a safe environment without yeah. then abusing the carbohydrate intake to where we're creating this insulin response all day long what does that balance for lack of a less cliche term what does that balanced approach to eating look like in order to support your muscle in order to support your hormones because you guys I bet it's not as crazy as you might expect it to be Let, mm. let's hear what you have to say I, I, I bet it's nothing you haven't heard before my vote is also not complicated but yeah. <laughs> we'll let's see hear it, well. Now, you know, what is it Give it to us straight. Get it. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Get to the bottom line here, girl. Let's, let's hear it. So you might have heard of a term before that's called metabolic flexibility. And metabolic flexibility is essentially your metabolism being really good at burning carbohydrate when you ingest it and being really good at being able to tap into stores and burn that as an energy source. So I think that that's the first place that people need to start. And that's because I see a lot of metabolic inflexibility happening because of that insulin resistance piece, right? Mm -hmm. So going back to where we started with, okay, we need a percentage of our day to look catabolic. I think it's important that all people have a 14-hour fast between your last meal of the day and your first meal of the day. Now, anything beyond 14 hours in women, I think is very too much stressful on hormones. And that's where we end up in that Goldilocks position where it's actually impairing hormone production. Whereas anything that's less than 12 hours, I don't think it's enough to be able to support that metabolic flexibility piece where our body is having to learn how to utilize what it has in stores and burn that as an energy source. So I think that's the first piece is allowing your body enough rest in between that last meal and that first meal the next day, and then also doing that over the course of the day. So a lot of women that I work with, they might do that piece, but then once the day starts, they might find themselves eating something really light and then having a snack an hour later and then eating yeah. a meal two hours yeah. later and then eating a snack mm -hmm. an hour later, whether or not it's because a personal trainer somewhere along the way told they need to eat six meals per day or yeah. because they're trying to <laughs> calorically restrict and they're just hungry because they're not eating enough substance at meal times, right? There's many right. different reasons it can happen. But I think that the intramural yeah. fasting is just as important to where you're allowing your body at least four hours, four to six hours between meals and that those meals yes. are adequately balanced to where you can go that long because yes. and support the metabolic flexibility and the insulin piece while nourishing our body, right? So it, yes. it really is finding that balance between the two. You know, it's oh, also how you support your gut. Totally. Yeah, I was thinking about, that. Yeah, you yes. need that mm -hmm. gut rest just yep. like you need to take, you know, sleep at the end of the day. Your gut needs a nap, essentially, right? And so your you're gut really needs a nap. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're stepping all kinds of boxes by, by, by doing that. Okay. Well, you uh you said you need to make sure that these meals are nutritionally appropriate to be able to allow yourself to tolerate that four to six hours. What does that mean? What does that meal need to look like? At minimum, the meal needs to have protein, plants, and fat present. Now, say when that again. Say that again, because it's not rocket science. <laughs> say it again. 
PPF. PPF. Yes. PPF. Yep. Protein. Everybody write that down. <laughs> plants and fat. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just for the people in the back. Okay. Yep. So at minimum, not rocket science. Not rocket science. And sometimes the protein has the fat. So you know, if we simplify mm. even further, sometimes it's just protein and plants that we need at that meal. Mm. And plants can have carbohydrate in them a lot of plants do right all plants essentially yes. have some carbohydrate i think a lot of times when i say the word plants that people think of vegetables and that's not what i just mean you know i'm also talking about things like legumes and lentils right and your starchier vegetables and fruits and things that can also be part of that vegetables should be the bulk of that plants but there should be some of those starches there that so long as there's adequate protein and fat to be able to really blunt that blood sugar response so that we're really creating this balanced effect from that meal. Yeah, I want to highlight what you just said too about how the, it seems the magic, the magic types of foods that help prevent those blood sugar spikes that can mess with your insulin are the fiber, which you find in plants, like you mentioned, and also the fats, which, as you mentioned, sometimes the protein has the fat or it's a, just a fat in and of itself. Those are the main components that help blunt, as you mentioned, the sugar response. But then you're also getting all the additional antioxidants and all that good stuff from the plants. And I just wanted to point that out, how important that is. <laughs> it is. It is. And again, the it, I mean, I really think the take home here, right, is that people are able to do something, make a change, mm. approach, like take some sort of action. PPF, it's so, it's so simple. Yeah, everybody, I, mean, I like, hope you all brought your notebooks because PPF <laughs> needs to make sure that's, that's the heading of this game. <laughs> and I, I, I know we're making kind of a joke about it, but it really is. That's the piece that people have to do day to day. People have to go to the store, they have to write a list, they have to cook a meal for themselves, their kids, their families. That's the actual stuff that people have a hard time with. Because it's confusing. Listen, you guys, we're all experts in this field, and it's confusing to us sometimes. Mm -hmm. There's so much information, and there's so many nuances, and each person is so beautifully different and unique. It just doesn't apply across the board. It's the curse and the gift of nutrition. But this is one thing that you can pretty much take to the bank, right? You need protein, yeah. you need a plant, you need some fat at your meals, or else you're not setting yourself up to be able to get that rest, which is going to be playing into the ability to be metabolically flexible. Lo, did we connect the dots there? Yeah, and yeah, you're not going to be able to go four to six hours between meals if you don't have those components because the protein, the fiber, and the fat are what give you satiety, right? So. Yeah. If you, if you don't have those elements, you're going to be hungry in an hour or two hours and you won't be able to even accomplish what we're, what we're aiming for. Yeah, I think I want to tie this back into that point too about people being afraid of eating too much and, and instead end up under eating. It's a lot of times because of the calories that are in fats, for example, that I at least I think a lot of people yeah. tend to avoid those. So I just want to really drive it home, like how important, you don't need to go and eat a whole avocado, I'm assuming, right? You can just yeah. have like a quarter mm-hmm. of an avocado, sure. throw in a few ov- olives or something with your meals or whatever, a little olive oil, cooking oil. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to point out that it's, you can absolutely get a good nutritious meal and not end up like, not have to be afraid about like overeating. 
Yeah. Don't be afraid at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important too that people understand that that's what snacks should look like too. If you are having Mm -hmm. snacks that I'm not just talking about meals, right? Like a snack, if you're going to have a piece of fruit, for example, the piece of fruit should also have protein and fat with it to be able to create that symbiotic balance we're talking about. Give us an example. So an example might be you want to have a piece of fruit like you normally do midday. Instead of having the piece of fruit by itself, pair that piece of fruit with some grass-fed beef jerky. Now you're getting protein and fat in the beef jerky, right? That's a great combination. Or instead of having some uh, maybe some like rice crackers that you have by themselves, if you can tolerate dairy okay, maybe you have the pieces of hard cheese with uh, uh, rice crackers, right? Um, right? Or you have some leftover protein that you have from lunch with the rice crackers. Now you're getting right. the protein. Say that the that protein maybe is like salmon, right, where it has some natural fats in it too. Now you're creating mm. more of that balanced response. So you can do this in many different situations, and I really encourage my clients to – ask those questions to themselves when they sit down at a meal, when they're at a restaurant of going through it as like a checkbox of what's my protein, what are my plants and what's my fat source? Because if you can do that, it's going to become a lot more natural for you to start to make those choices. That's so helpful. I love the checklist idea. You know what I like? We're not reinventing the wheel here. They're not suggesting that people need to totally overhaul everything that's going on. Take the pieces that are really difficult for you to change and maybe you hang on to those and you simply elevate that meal or elevate that snack you don't have to totally get rid of the whole shebang i love the example with the crackers if that's a snack you like to have it's not always about getting rid of things is it it's what can we add in to support what you already enjoy or what's already working now that's not a cop-out so it's really addressing things that have got to go Mm -hmm. that's a huge part of it for some of us, like we just have to, it's a hard truth, right? <laughs> but not always. And I think that's an important way to shift the mindset because otherwise, and we all see this, right? People come in and they think you're a dietitian and you're going to take the food all of my favorite foods away. Yeah, I'm all for it, people. That's not what this is. That's not yeah. what this is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more about inclusion than exclusion. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody, that's, That is the one thing I think that's missed a lot among people is just what can I include? What can I add to make this meal more nourishing? It's even like, I mean, it doesn't, it also sounds like based on what you're saying, you could have a little bit of mac and cheese if that's what you like, if you eat dairy, but add some plants in it, add a healthy fat to it, have some protein in it, like go in on that mac and cheese, but, but. Have your PPF, everybody. Mac and cheese with your PPF. (laughs) Yeah, and everybody's starting point looks different. So, well, I had another question. What might it look like, and this could, I think you'll probably have several ways to answer this. You can pick a couple. What might it look like for somebody whose hormones are out of balance? So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, I don't know. I've never had my hormones tested. I don't know if they're okay or not. I just kind of assumed they were. Uh, what are some like kind of top red flags that somebody might be like, oh shit, I'm not okay. Yeah. What do you see? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously specialize in hormones. So that is, you know, the first thing I would say, but I've never seen perfect hormones in all the hormone okay. workups I've done. I've never seen Good a perfect point. hormone panel. So uh-huh. there's always some improvement that we can make. It's just like the gut, right? 
where none of us are perfect. There's always some elements that are out of balance, even if you don't think they are, right? But I mean, the obvious ones to start with in the reproductive system would be if you are in your menstruating years, you're a female periods, right? Um, So are you having painful periods? Are you not having a normal period, you know, 28 to 35 day cycle? If you're postmenopausal, then are you dealing with a lot of issues of hot flashes, difficulty staying asleep at night, uh, vaginal dryness, low libido? You know, low libido can also cross over to men as well, right? Um, Hair early balding in men as well can definitely be a hormonal condition too. Um, as well as women, right? You know, women sometimes will have hair loss on the head, um, you know, hair growth on the, on the yeah. face and areas there shouldn't be, right? Or excessive hair growth on like the nipple area. Um, mm-hmm. There can be, you know, cold body temperature, weight irregularity, energy issues. So whether that's everything from staying asleep at night, I see a lot of women waking wow. up 2 to 4 a.m. Yeah. That's a telltale hormone imbalance. Um, being able to fall asleep, waking up, feeling rested, hitting a mid-afternoon energy crash, right? Feeling like they're dependent off of caffeine or sugar to be able to get them Uh, back to finish up their work day. I mean, we could go on for, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could go on for hours and hours, right, of all the symptoms. But if there's a symptom, there's probably a hormone condition that's tied to it. I mean, even Mm. when we think about the gut, right, slow motility, we think thyroid, right? We think estrogen, progesterone. So, you know, I mean, there's just so many connections that there can be within the gut, the skin, the hair, nails, um, any of those outward things that we're always wanting to try to optimize, especially as women, right? Totally. Yeah. I think skin, I mean, Meg is a skin and acne dietitian. Like that's her damn specialty. (laughs) And so I think this is, it's an easy in for, for, not even just women, for people, because it is, like you said, well, outside, super obvious. We feel super self-conscious about it. And it, and so know that this is a hormone thing. It's probably tied to your food. It's probably tied to your gut. But there's something going on, right? So what is it that you're off? What do you do? What What do people do? I mean, we're talking about supporting the muscle as well. And that's, what I assume, just simply one component. But... I think you've you've got an amazing offer that really helps people balance, understand, and the way that I feel about it is like it, it empowers them. Like they can really take the hormone situation by the reins and understand this is the thing for me. If somebody is going to ask me to do some pain in the ass thing with my diet or supplements, I want to understand why. Yeah, there needs to be a reason for it. (laughs) Yeah, or I'm not doing that shit. I'm not doing it. So tell us what it is that you have developed and who it's for and some other details. Yes, I mean, just going off our conversation today, you know, I truly believe that when we emphasize that we can also heal and balance our hormones as a byproduct of that. So I developed a uh, collective, it's a membership for women that's called Strength and Hormones. And I also have a podcast where it's really about education and empowerment so that women can understand their hormones. They can learn how to eat. I've got three pillars that I teach women in that program. So it's nutrition, movement, and habits. And so we dive Mm -hmm. into those three pillars of what are the elements you need to understand within those three to be able to support your hormones. 
And a lot of women come into the program because their goal is to maybe regulate their weight better, lose weight, and they also have hormone goals that they're working towards. They suspect they have a hormone imbalance. And so a lot of the women in the program, they're trying to understand how to find that really healthy balance within their hormones and feel their absolute best internally and externally, right? And so it's giving them all the tools to be able to do that. And, you know, just like any functional dietitian, I also do a lot of testing for more complex cases. And I might work with those individuals one-on-one, but I think that there's so much that can be done from a hormone angle before we need to get to testing. And so that's what my strength and hormones program is, is there for is to teach women, here's all the ways that you can do this because you can do it and you can see so much improvement and progress happen before we even have to go down the testing route. And then if we need to, right, there's some more complex hormone balances that have been pushed under the rug for quite some years, then we can definitely do that at that point. But I think it's important for women to be educated and empowered first, because I don't know how you feel, but I know that I never felt like I was educated enough about my female body and constantly changing and that we need to know. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's overwhelming when you think about, wow, how do I understand my own body? Preaching to the choir. This is what, (laughs) yeah, that's exactly why. Yeah. How many of you, how, this is the first time that you're hearing that your muscle has anything to do with your period. Yeah. It's not a conversation that people are having. It's and wild. That is some, it's wild. And it's, it's something wild. that people can do for free. You yes. can work out at home. If this is not rocket science. And that's what I love about getting mm-hmm. all of us together and having these kinds of conversations because it changes. It changes what people feel are, is available to them. Mm-hmm. When, totally. you're, when people are talking up here, people, you know, you're going to listen to that and think, I checked out 15 scientific words ago. Yep. And yeah. now I am more confused than I started and I still don't have any way of making a change. Yeah. This though, hey, do some squats. You don't have to pay anybody anything to do it, you know? Yeah. Pull up a YouTube video. You've got this. And that's the point. That's the messaging here, you guys. That's the takeaway from not only this conversation, but my hope is all of our conversations yeah. here is that yep. there's things that you don't know you don't know. I love until that. we start really having <laughs> these kinds of conversations. And these are, just so you know, we're all in the same boat here. These are things mm-hmm. we also don't know that we didn't know mm-hmm. until we got the education and we were learning. And that's why Lo feels so passionate so passionate about it, in fact, that she created an entire program to address this issue. So you guys, Strength and Hormones, we're going to include the link here in our in our notes so that you guys can, yeah. can check that out. And mm-hmm. well, is this a thing that kind of does it open and close? Can people join at any time? Yeah, doors open essentially every month. So the first Wednesday of the month, doors open, and then they close the first Sunday of the month. So we're basically okay. open enrollment for a couple of days. The reason we do that is so that all the new women that are joining, everyone can feel like they're on the same page because I created this program solely off of community because when I was on my own hormone healing journey, I felt like there wasn't a lot of women who were there to support me that were going through it with me. So I do that so that when women come in, they're like, I have someone that's literally walking alongside me right now, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so so every month. We heal as human beings together. We do not do it alone. It's nonsensical. And we all put that expectation on ourselves. I love this. I love it. So whenever you guys are listening to this, first Wednesday of the month, 
go and check it out. Strength and hormones from Low. Low, last words. What are you thinking? Anything else that you want to leave us with? I just want women to feel empowered by this conversation because I know I have a lot of conversations with women and sometimes they feel like, you know, well, if I focus on strength, I'm going to, like you said, get big bulky muscles or mm-hmm. I'm going to look like a man or whatever the negative connotation around the word muscle or strength is, right? Mm-hmm. But I really want you to know that strength and muscle is empowering and that to look at it from an internal perspective of what is focusing on that doing. It doesn't mean, the reason why I named it strength and hormones is because it doesn't mean you have to have big muscles. It's about focusing on how does every action that I do align with the word strength? Because if we can come at everything from thinking about it about that, then that's when that hormone balance is going to happen. So, you know, just don't be intimidated by the word and, and know that it is an empowering word and that there's so many benefits that are on the other side of it. Well, I know this about you, but everybody else to know as well. Tell us about you're a, a power lifter. Yeah. Really? So, what is it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Whoa. And, oh, I mean, look at, does this look like something you wouldn't want to look like? Like, let's be real people here. Yeah, this is not some like intimidating Hulk of a monster. No. You know? Yeah, I'm four foot 11, if that makes you feel <laughs> intimidated. So, don't have a lot of height to intimidate over here. Um, and but, for those of you who can't see, she is like the cutest person ever. So if this is a, you're a great example of women for one reasons why they might want to build up their strength and go in and do some more of those those squats and lifts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just about finding the right balance. I mean, I constantly am always trying to aim for strength and getting stronger. And you know, I mean, I don't grow muscle very quickly. You know, it takes years and years. So it's yeah. it's not as easy as as you think it might be to grow muscle and when you can understand that balance between the catabolic and anabolic processes like we were talking uh-huh. about you're really going to be able to understand how do I also optimize my body fat around that muscle too which which I think is a huge component yeah so it sounds like the main messages for you things that women can start doing right away or people in general everybody can start doing right away are to a make sure that you're including exercise both the and that helps with the anabolic and catabolic states that you want there to be the balance. The PPF, love that, that's my favorite one. Do not forget about the PPF. I think we also collectively just kind of added in there like eating enough too is another thing. And then I think I'm missing something. What am I missing? Uh, we talked about like the intra fasting, yes. right? Of like allowing yes. the 12 to 14 hours and then four to four to six hours between meals. Yes. I think that's a really important component too. Yeah. So all great, amazing nuggets to start with. And then if you need more help than that, if, if people are still confused or they want more help, then I think your program sounds amazing and they can go check that out. We'll have that link in the show notes. Wow. Thank you. Yes, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you for helping us kick this off. Thank you for being so aligned with the way that we think about our food, with the way that we think about supporting not only our bodies, but our souls, right? Mm -hmm. You can't separate those things. And for being able to give people such tangible things that they can go home and start putting into action without needing a PhD to do it. That's what this is about. That's amazing. I love them. You gave such amazing such amazing little nuggets of information. I'm so appreciative that you spent all this time with us. Yes, <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much for having thank me. You so much. Yes. You're Love welcome. You.
Thank you so much for listening to Curious Women. If you love our show, you can support us by leaving us a five-star rating and review. And if you know someone else who would really love our show, please share it with them too.